0: Well, saints, uh, last night we had a marvelous message on the consecration of the priests. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to get a tape of that message. It was a classic. To me, it was a classic. Uh, Well, today you can see that message two is on the basis of all our priestly service. We are all priests, right? How many priests we ever this morning? praise the Lord. A priest contacts God, right, and gets infused with God. Then a priest goes with God to man and infuses man with God. That's what a priest does. Very simple, actually. You know, uh, one time, this is when I was first saved, uh, there was this... uh, there was this man, he he looked really troubled. I would would go down to downtown Houston and preach the gospel. That's that's all I knew to do. I didn't have the church life, you know. So uh, uh, he looked really troubled. And and, uh, we were near a Catholic cathedral. And I said, sir, you look so troubled. What's wrong? He said, I need to see a priest. I said, here I am. And I preached the gospel to him. It was really good. Anyway, I, I don't know if I'd do that today, but he saw a priest. He might have gone in there and not seen a priest. You know what I mean? You never know. Okay. Um, now, saints, we want fire. We want to be on fire for the Lord. Amen. And we want the fire from the altar of burnt offering. Now, um, I would like to share a few things with you before we get into the outline. Uh, You know, uh, in Deuteronomy 4, 24, and 25, Deuteronomy 4, 24, and 25, actually we'll have this on the outline. It says, our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Then verse 25, if you look in your recovery version, it talks about languishing in the land, languishing in the land. It says if you languish in the land, the Lord will be very unhappy. Like Ricky said last like night, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit who's in us. We want to make him happy, right? So uh, it says it, it's a warning against languishing in the land. And there's a note to that, to that word languished. I'd like to read it to you. It says the word for languished in the Hebrew is a rare one. And it implies the loss of spiritual freshness. Oh, brothers and sisters, we don't want to lose our spiritual freshness. Right? You know, one thing about Brother Lee I always noticed about him, he was always fresh. He always was fresh. Loss of spiritual freshness. And the blunting of original impressions, the blunting. Like if you blunt a knife, it loses its sharpness. So if you languish in the land, it's the blunting of original impressions produced by force of custom or long residence in the same spot. So that doesn't mean you have to move physically necessarily, but you have to go on with the Lord. You have to make progress in life, right? Yet we want to go on with him this morning. We don't want to remain in the same spot by force of custom or long residence in the same spot. Um, You know, uh, forgive me, I'm talking about Brother Lee because I served with him so much. Um, You know, one time he said to me, he goes, Ed, I'm concerned that our, our prophesying in Anaheim is becoming a form, a form. I read this form, and I said, well, Brother Lee, what do we do? What should we do? And he said, Ed, anything we do without the exercise of the spirit is a form, is a form. So let's exercise our spirit this morning. Amen. All day we exercise our spirit. Amen. Now, uh, I would like to share something with you that I really enjoyed, uh, that I want, I want this for our meetings this weekend Uh, we need to be living letters of Christ. Living letters of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, it talks about the believers being a letter of Christ, with Christ written on their heart, with the spirit of of the living God. And so this is what we want. Now, what's amazing about these verses... Let me read them to you. Paul says this first. He says, you are our letter inscribed in our hearts, known and read by all men. Then he says in verse 3, since you are being manifested that you are a letter of Christ. I don't know where Paul got this from, but it's marvelous. You are a letter of Christ ministered by us, inscribed not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in tablets of hearts of flesh. Now, what takes place, if you can follow me, when we, when we, um, when we inscribe people with the spirit of the living God, uh, then you can read and know Christ in their being. They become a letter of Christ, a letter of Christ. So if you look at these two verses, verses 2 and 3, uh, actually verse 3 comes first In our experience, and our experientially, verse 3 comes first. Verse 3 says, You are being manifested that you are a letter of Christ ministered by us, inscribed not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. So the Spirit of the the living God is a divine and mystical ink. Then he says, Not in tablets of stone, but in tablets of hearts of flesh. Now, when you inscribe people, with the spirit of the living God, simultaneously, then we'll come back to verse 2. It says, You are our letter, inscribed in our hearts, known and read by all men. So, uh, David, maybe you could help me. Could you help me, brother? You know, come up here. You see, David is here, and uh, I inscribe Christ on his heart with the spirit of the living God. Simultaneously, That same spirit is being inscribed into my heart. So there are two original copies of the same letter. Isn't that amazing? And this is our experience. When you inscribe Christ on someone with the spirit of the living God, you can never forget them. Right? You can never forget them because they're in your heart. Thank you, David. You are a letter inscribed in our hearts, known and read by all men. You know, after the meeting, uh, a brother came up to us. I, I think his name is Bob Dolores, right? Is Bob here this morning? Yeah, here's Bob Dolores over here. He came up here, and he saw Ricky, and he said, and he, he, uh, they, were, they looked at one another. They were so happy to see one another. And uh, come to find out, uh, Ricky had preached the gospel to Bob 40 years ago, and Bob got saved. And Bob got saved. Now, uh, you could tell by looking at their faces and their gestures, they were in one another's heart. Bob is a letter of Christ, right? Inscribed with the spirit of the living God. That same letter is inscribed in Ricky's heart. So they're in one another's hearts. They're in one another's hearts. That's what happens when we minister the word to people. And this is what we need to do. Okay, now let's come to the outline. I, I believe we'll have plenty of time for testimonies this morning. It says, Roman Romans 1 says, God is a consuming fire. God is a consuming fire. Now one of the verses there is Deuteronomy 4.24. In the next verse it says, it warns us about languishing in the land. So if you don't have God as your consuming fire in you, you're doomed to languish in the land, right? We want to be... We want to have God as our consuming fire. He consumes all the negative things within our being. And, of course, there's a positive aspect to this, which we'll see, we'll see in a minute. Now, A says, as the burning one, God is holy. Holiness is his nature. And whatever does not correspond with his holy nature, he as the consuming fire will consume. That's good news, isn't it? It's very good news. Now B says in Daniel 7, 9 through 10, God's throne was flames of fire. Its wheels were a burning fire, and a stream of fire issued forth and came out from before him. The fire here indicates that God is absolutely righteous and altogether holy. And altogether holy. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, without sanctification, without holiness, no one can see, see the Lord, see the Lord. So we need to, we need the Lord to be our holiness, which means we need to be separated under God and saturated with God. Amen. So this morning, we're all separated under God so we can be saturated with God. Amen. He's the Holy One you okay, know C is a marvelous point let's read this together the lord released himself into as the fire of light to on the earth so saints um, you know when i got into this word when i prepared this this outline um, i had never considered this from this angle that the lord's commission on the earth from the father was to cast fire on the earth. He said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and how I wish that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how I, am, how I am pressed or constrained until it is accomplished. Now, that baptism was his death, was the baptism of his death on the cross. So uh, you put that together with John 12, 24, It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It bears much fruit. So his death was a life-releasing death. His death was a fire-releasing death. The fire of life got released from within him when he died on the cross. When he died on the cross, Uh, through the shell of his humanity being broken, the fire of life... Was cast on the earth, and of course he he said, "How I wish it were already kindled." In other words, he was he was looking forward, looking forward to his death on the cross, so that the shell of his humanity could be broken and the fire of life could be released from within him and imparted into all of us. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know how you feel this morning. You know, it's not that easy. It's uh, it's Saturday morning, right? And uh <laughs> people are doing a lot of things on Saturday morning but uh but here we are, and I see fire in you this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord, Amen. even if it's just a little fire, a little fire uh you can you can turn it up We'll talk about turning it up right, and have a habit of turning up this fire now uh We come to one, one says the pneumatic Christ as a sevenfold intensified life-giving spirit is a burning fire, is a burning fire. So the pneumatic Christ, that's Christ as a spirit, he's the sevenfold intensified life-giving spirit as a burning fire. This is Revelation, uh, Revelation 4, 5, it says there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. Now, I wish I had brought a lampstand with me, but I didn't. Uh, you You know, the lampstand was designed by God, designed by God. And it has seven lamps, seven lamps, three lamps going out like this, one lamp in the center. It has seven lamps. And these seven lamps of fire are burning before the throne, and they are the seven spirits of God, the seven spirits of God, they are the sevenfold intensified spirit. If you look at the lampstand from the from the bottom, it's one lampstand. If I turn it this way, it's seven lamps. It's seven lamps. So it's one in existence. The spirit is one in existence. But the spirit is sevenfold in function to carry out God's economy. See this? And the spirit is a burning fire. A burning fire. Now, what's amazing is uh Saints, we have, we have uh, um, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, and so also our spirit is a lamp. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says the spirit of man is the lamp of Jehovah searching all the innermost parts of the inner being. So our spirit is, when you exercise your spirit, when you're in your spirit, Uh, And we need to pray, just have simple prayers during the day. Lord, keep me in my spirit today. Keep me in my spirit. If I get it turned away, turn me back to my spirit. You become so bright because you have seven lamps of fire in in your spirit, and your spirit is a lamp also. So that's an eightfold lamp. You're just so bright, right? You're not like this. Right, you're you're, you're a bright person, right? Why? Because you have the sevenfold intensified spirit as the burning lamps in your your lamp, which is the spirit of man, searching all the innermost parts of the inner being. Now in Isaiah 4.4, it refers to the spirit as the judging spirit and the burning spirit. The judging spirit and the burning spirit. So he's the burning spirit in our spirit as the lamp of Jehovah, as the lamp of Jehovah. Now, how do we experience this? How do we experience this, this sevenfold intensified spirit in our spirit, which is the lamp of Jehovah? Well, uh, saints, we need to just do something very simple, but but, uh, it's very meaningful. We need to be absolutely open to the Lord. Absolutely open to Him. In other words, Without any reservations in our being, we open our whole being up to the Lord so that he can dispense himself into our being. Sometimes we, uh, we close off certain parts of our being, you know. We say, Lord, don't touch that. Stay in the living room. This bedroom is for me. You know what I mean? And we're, we're, don't, don't ever be afraid to open yourself up to the Lord fully. Amen. Say, Lord, I'd like to open myself up to you fully i like to be transformed by you. Amen. So the one who is absolutely open to the Lord is the one who experiences the greatest amount of transformation. Amen. So when that when that lamp shines in you, uh, a lot of things happen. A lot of things happen. And so we need to pray in Psalm 139, in the last two verses say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any wicked way in me or idolatrous way in me, and lead me on the eternal way. We need to ask the Lord to search us, to search us. When He does this, this, as the seven spirits of God, sevenfold intensified Spirit, He functions in our being. And I'd like to share with you these verbs that uh, I wrote down here. The first thing he does when you open him is he burns you. He burns you uh, so that you can burn others. Have you ever been burned by a brother? I mean, in a positive sense, in a positive sense. (laughs) Not in a negative sense. In a spiritual sense, too. (laughs) Uh, You know, when Dick Taylor calls me on the phone, I get burned. I get burned. I just, oh, Lord. You know, it turns my heart turns my heart back to the Lord, you know. So, the sevenfold intensified spirit is the seven lamps of fire to burn us and to enlighten us and to enlighten us. We want to be enlightened from within. So these seven lamps of fire enlighten us. Brothers and sisters, it's amazing. If you go to the, if you look at the Knesset, which is the legislative body of Israel, uh, in the front, they have a, they have a huge lampstand, uh, back there, a picture of a lampstand, and with, the, with two olive trees on either side. That's the national emblem of the state of Israel. That's from Zechariah 4, which we'll come to, you know. And so uh, maybe someday you may have to go to the Condescent and tell them about the lampstand, the sevenfold <laughs> intensified spirit. Of course, they don't realize this. Okay, so he enlightens us. He exposes us, he exposes where we are. You know, isn't it amazing that in a meeting, you may be in a meeting, you may be reading your Bible prayerfully, and the Lord will expose something, He will speak and it has nothing to do with the text. You know what I mean? It's just that He exposes. Like maybe last night you got exposed. You weren't you're not absolute enough, that your consecration waned. It's good to be exposed. It's good to be. It's good to see where we are. Not only does he expose us, he judges us, he purifies us, he purifies us, and he refines us to produce the golden lampstands for the fulfillment of God's economy. Now, uh, these these uh, these seven spirits, the sevenfold intensified spirit, is the speaking spirit. The speaking spirit in Revelation. He speaks to us. Uh, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is a sevenfold intensified spirit. And, uh, you know, in Acts 2-3, when the disciples were baptized with the Spirit, uh, it says a tongue of fire sat on each one of them. You know, I always wondered, why a tongue? Uh, Why not an ear? You know, but it was a tongue because... That shows the sevenfold intensified spirit is for speaking. It's for speaking. It's for burning and purging in God's economical move. And the spirit is for speaking. It's for speaking. In, Acts, in Luke 24, 32, you remember uh, those two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the Lord uh, departed from them. They said this They said, Was not our heart burning within us? while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening to us the scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? Wasn't our heart burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was opening to us the scriptures? That's wonderful. We want the Lord to do that with us. Okay, now these seven lamps of fire, uh, that's Revelation 4, 5. In Revelation 5, 6, Revelation 5, 6, these seven lamps of fire are the seven eyes of the Lamb, seven eyes of the Lamb. Uh, You know, without the ministry, we would never be, we would, what is this, a Lamb with seven eyes, you know, but it tells us in the text that this sevenfold intensified spirit, this Lamb with seven eyes, these seven spirits were sent forth into all the earth, into all the earth. And what the function of the sevenfold intensified spirit is to direct the world situation and to do all those things that I, that I talked to, talk to you about. So the sevenfold intensified spirit is also the eyes of Christ as the redeeming lamb and the building stone in Zechariah 3.9. This stone has seven eyes. So that shows the sevenfold intensified spirit is for God's building. It's the sevenfold intensified spirit for God's building. And as the seven eyes, the sevenfold intensified spirit observes us, he searches us, he infuses us, and he transfuses us with Christ's essence, riches, and burden for God's building, for God's building. Uh, You know, uh, I've told this before, but I think it's a good illustration. You know, I went to the hospital one time, I had an infection in my finger, and normal antibiotics wouldn't, wouldn't get rid of it. Uh, so I had to go to the hospital, and they put an IV in my arm with uh, with intravenous antibiotics. But there was a machine over to the side. I didn't. I looked at it, and there was a light there, and it said infusing. I said, "Praise the Lord, infusing." And then, and then a bell went off. It said infusion complete. Isn't that wonderful? That should be our time with the Lord. We spend time with the Lord infusing. Then we go to work infusion complete, right? Infusion complete. Of course, infusing lasts our whole period of organic salvation from regeneration through transformation and glorification. That is the infusing time. Then we're glorified to be his bride. The infusion will be complete. I really, really love that. Really love that. So we need to be infused. Saints, in every meeting, we need to be infused with a sevenfold intensified spirit Amen. as the lamps of fire and as the seven eyes of the Lamb. Now, um, let's see. It says this under here. Two says, This fire is the impulse the impelling force of the spiritual life, an impulse that comes from the Lord's released divine life. So when the Lord died, his unlimited and infinite being with the divine life was released from within him. And that was fire. That was the fire of his life, the fire of his life. Uh, You know, we read, this, this is a footnote, the footnote says this fire is the impulse of the spiritual life. But what does impulse mean? We just read it and don't consider what it means. What well, means the impelling force. There's an impelling force within us. Uh, like like we, all, we all gathered here for this meeting this morning because there was this impulse within us of our spiritual life. There was an impelling force within us saying, go to the meeting, go to the meeting, right? And so you followed that impelling force, and you're here. And I'm here. Praise the Lord. Amen. It takes fire to get me out of the door, let alone be up here. <laughs> okay, now, 3 says, we all have been burned by this fire. We have been brought together by this fire. And now we are burdened that this fire would burn many others. When the concealed glory of Christ's divinity was released, a divine fire was cast on earth to burn the whole earth. Let the fire burn on. No one can stop it. No one can stop this fire. You know, in the former Soviet Union, they tried to stop the fire. To, uh, To read a Bible was against the law. They had classes in atheism, not just classes. You could major in atheism. You could have a major. Can you imagine if I said, oh, I got a B.A. in atheism? (laughs) It's like saying I got a B.A. in darkness, (laughs) right? Uh, It's it's just terrible. But you you could get a bachelor's degree in atheism. Well, one time Dick Taylor and I, we were preaching the gospel in Moscow, and we were preaching on this street, The name of it was No God Street. Can you imagine a street like that? No God Street. And then we were preaching in this building. It was the the Society for the Blind. (laughs) So we were opening people's eyes on No God Street, telling them that Jesus is God. Praise the Lord. All right, let's read D all together. Okay, we we, saw, we pointed this out. We pointed this out. Now, he says, the fire burning out of the midst of the thorn bush was the triune God, the God of resurrection, the God of resurrection. You know, um, it says in Exodus 3 that the angel of Jehovah, capital A, actually that was Christ, appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a thorn bush. And when he looked, there was a thorn bush burning with fire, but the thorn bush was not consumed. The thorn bush was not consumed. And it says God called to him out of the midst of the thorn bush. In other words, this fire was God. This fire was God. God called to him out of the midst of the thorn bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. He was afraid to look upon God. Of course, this God was the God of resurrection. Uh, You know, in Matthew 22, uh, you remember the Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection, and they Asked the Lord a, a kind of a ludicrous question, they said, "What if what if seven brothers uh, married the same person, and each of them died? Whose wife will she be in the next? You know, in the next age, whose wife will she be?" And uh, and the Lord just said this. He said he said uh, he said, "You err, e r r, you heir. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. He said concerning the resurrection of the dead have you not read? Can you imagine he's telling these Pharisees, didn't you read your Bible? Have you not read that have you not read that which was spoken to you by God saying I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead but of the living which shows that the dead Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be resurrected, will be resurrected. They will be in resurrection. Okay, now F says, the word of God is a fire, is a fire that burns us and many of the things in which we have confidence. It burns us and it burns many of the things in which we have confidence. You know, in, in Jeremiah 23, 29, the Lord says, is not my word thus like fire, declares Jehovah, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So not only is the, is the word like fire, that's why we need to be in the word. The word is like fire. The word is also a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. So to break a rock into pieces means that the word breaks down our natural life, breaks down our self, uh, breaks down our flesh breaks down our lusts, and breaks down our concepts. And the fire, of course, purifies us and infuses us with the triune God. Okay, Jesus says, those who have a desire to serve God must know that God is a consuming fire that burns and energizes. When God comes to the earth, fire comes to the earth. And when God enters into man, Fire enters into man and burns him, and burns him. That's what we want this morning, right? Don't you want to be burned by this fire? Amen. Any other fire we don't want. Any other fire other than God will see a strange fire. God doesn't recognize it. But we want the fire of God as life burning within us, burning within us. And we don't want that fire to wane like Ricky shared last night, our consecration can wane, can gradually wane. Uh, we can be like that with a fire. We come in the church life where we get saved and we're on fire and then little by little we, we uh, little by little, we cool down, we cool down uh, and we think that's mature. I'm mature now. So, uh, so I'm colder. I'm colder. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. You know, I was, uh, when, I, when I first got saved, I went to this, uh, this Sunday school that was composed mainly of theological students from a famous seminary, famous seminary. Actually, I went up there to, uh, to see my wife. We weren't married yet. She was going to go to nursing school in Dallas and become a missionary. So I wanted to go up there and tell her about the church life. About the church life. So, uh, oh my goodness, I was so new. I sat her down in a big chair and preached the gospel to preach the gospel of the church life to her. She didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> you know. But anyway, I was in this, in this, uh, in this quote unquote Sunday school. And they had an overhead projector, they had a map on the wall. They were talking about archaeology. It was very boring. Very boring. And, and uh and I said to the person next to me, I said, Did you know that your spirit is the lamp of Jehovah? And when God came into you, he lit your lamp. He said, What seminary do you go to? <laughs> anyway, then we went to dinner afterwards with a number of the believers there. Uh and this sister said to me that was in that denomination where I went she said Ed you're a new believer she said don't worry eventually you'll calm down eventually you'll calm down and I probably shouldn't have said this but I did say it I was younger I said sister I pray that that never happens (laughs) and that's why we need to come together because the fire burns us in the meetings This is how we maintain the fire, part of the way we maintain the fire. We'll see at the end of practical ways we can maintain the fire within us. Now, H says, the fire that burned on the altar of the burnt offering came down from the heavens. Came down from the heavens. So this was heavenly fire. One says, after coming down from the heavens, this fire burned continually upon the altar. Two says, the divine fire, the burning triune God, enables us to serve and even to sacrifice our lives. Isn't that wonderful? It enables us to serve. How could a Christian sacrifice his life without this burning fire? But many have sacrificed their lives. Uh, The first group of full-time trainees that went to uh, the Soviet Union was that in 92, Ricky, or 91? 91, or? 91, 1991. The first group of, of uh, saints went in 1991 to the Soviet Union. They went in the winter time, in the winter time, And that's, a, that's not an easy time to go to the Soviet Union. And, and the people they were taking care of were so impressed that these people came in the winter. They said, who are these people? Right? They were so touched with that. Well, this burning fire enables us to serve and even to sacrifice our lives. It says, do not, Romans 12 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be burning in spirit, serving the Lord. Then in Acts 15 26, it says that Paul and Barnabas have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Saints, we need to do the same. But we can't do it in ourselves. We need the burning, triune God. The burning, triune God. This really convicted me this morning. Because, uh, you know, anyway, I struggle with with certain things. uh, And we all struggle, right? We all have our... We're all in an oven. You realize that. In the words recovery, there's a huge oven... And there's room in that oven for every one of us. But while we're in the oven of tribulation and circumstances and and all kinds of things in our environment, we need to enjoy the burning triune God so we can be transformed. And then I I I was considering this verse, and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, forgive me, I haven't risked my life yet for you. I haven't done that yet. You know, when I went to Russia in 93, it was January. And Brotherly asked Dick Taylor and I to go, Dick Taylor and I and Andrew. He said, I'd like you to go to Russia, brothers. And it was January. He said, have a nice vacation. <laughs> so we went in January. Wonderful. I was there for about a month. That was great. That was great. Okay, Roman numeral two says, every priestly service to God must be based on the fire from the altar of burnt offering. And our service must be the issue of the burning of this fire. Must be the issue of the burning of this fire. Now we have these verses on here, Leviticus 10, 1 through 11, which talk about Nadab and Abihu, and they were the sons of Aaron, the sons of Aaron. And I would just like to read this to you. There may be a lot of new ones that aren't, that aren't familiar with this text. It says, each of them took his censer and put fire in them and laid incense on it. And they presented strange fire before Jehovah, which he had not commanded them. In other words, they didn't, they didn't use the fire from the burnt offering altar. They used another kind of fire, which was their own fire, which was strange fire, which we'll see in a minute. One of the things strange fire uh, implies or typifies is natural enthusiasm. When we say be burning for the Lord, we're not talking about being naturally, having your natural enthusiasm. Eventually, you'll be burned out, right? Uh, We need the fire of the triune God burning within us. So it says, because they did this, fire came out from before Jehovah and consumed them, and they died before Jehovah. They died before Jehovah. Then, of course, God said to Moses, you know, they, they, he told him that they offered strange fire. And, uh, and this is a warning to us, a warning to us, that we shouldn't offer strange fire to the Lord. Okay, now, A says, God wanted the service of the children of Israel to be based on this fire. The burning of incense was their service to God, but the fire used for burning incense had to be taken from the altar. Had to be taken from the burnt offering altar. Now, the burnt offering altar was in the outer court, and uh, of course, all the offerings were, a number of the offerings were burned there, and became a satisfying fragrance to Jehovah, a satisfying fragrance to the Lord. One of those offerings was the burnt offering, the burnt offering. And the burnt offering signifies Christ as the one who's absolute for God. And Christ as the one who's absolutely for God's satisfaction. So every day, we need to take Christ as our burnt offering. Because the more you go on with the Lord, the more you realize you're not absolute. You need Christ as your absoluteness. You're not absolutely for God's satisfaction. but There's one in you who's absolutely for God's satisfaction. Amen. We need to take him, turn to him, let him live through us. Okay, so B says our service must come out of the burning of God's fire, of the burning of God's fire. This is what happened to Moses. His service came out of the burning of God's fire in that bush. You know, um, it was almost like the Lord was saying to Moses, you know, in the first 40 years of Moses' life, he, uh, he thought that he was going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, and, and uh, he saw two Hebrews, uh, well, I'll go back a little bit. He saw this Egyptian uh, persecuting a Hebrew, and he struck the Egyptian, and the Egyptian died. And Moses must have been really strong. He didn't know Taekwondo or anything like that. But, but boom. And the guy just, you know, he buried him in the sand. And, uh, and then he saw two Hebrews arguing. He said, why are you arguing with one another? You shouldn't be doing this. And they said, are you going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian the other day? The same thing. Then he realized he's in trouble. Pharaoh knows about this, you know. And so Pharaoh was out to get him. So he went into the wilderness and fled from Pharaoh. For 40 years, he was a, a shepherd of sheep. And at the end of those 40 years, he was 80 years old. Now, it says in the Psalms that the length of a man's life can be 70 years old, and if by reason of strength, it could be 80 years old. So Moses must have thought, I'm at the end of my life now. So, but he went to the other side of the mountain with the sheep, and he saw that burning bush. And it was almost like the Lord was telling him, I don't want you to use your natural ability as fire. I want to be the fire burning within you. I want, I want, I want to be the fire that's the basis of all your service. The basis of all your service. Of course, we know he went back to, uh, to, um, to Egypt and led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, C says fire is a source of energy. In order for our service to be full of energy, our service must pass through the fire from the altar. One says the fire should be the energy, the driving force, the impulse within us. If we have this fire, our service will be out of God and not out of ourselves. Not out of ourselves. So again, we need God as our energy. Fire is a source of energy. Don't you need God as your energy this morning? So one says, this fire should be the energy. I I read this already. If we have this fire, our service will be out of God, not out of ourselves. Then two says, "The the energy and the motivating power for the New Testament service began with fire from heaven. The fire that descended upon the Galilean fishermen became the energy and motivating power within them. And motivating power within them. They were not just filled with the Spirit inwardly, they were filled with the with the Spirit outwardly as fire. As fire. So they had fire within them and fire upon them. And if you read Acts 2, Acts 2 3, it says, There appeared to them tongues as of fire, which were distributed, and it sat on each one of them. Now, can you imagine coming into a meeting and a tongue of fire is sitting on each one of the saints? Uh, it's remarkable, right? Well, I always wondered why a tongue? Why not an ear of fire? Why not another member of fire? But it was a tongue of fire because a tongue is a symbol of speaking, Amen. a symbol of speaking. So when you speak for the Lord, when you speak for the Lord, when you speak the Lord into others, You get on fire for the Lord. You get on fire for the Lord. So tongue is a symbol of speaking for burning and purging in God's economical move. Now three says, this fire burns on those who love God. How many lovers of God we have here this morning? This fire burns upon those who love God, who offer themselves to God. Like last night, we saw how to offer ourselves to God who are willing to forsake everything for God, and who are willing to place themselves in his hands in order to be broken, in order to be broken. You know, Brother he gave a testimony. It's in one of our books. He said that when he got saved, when he got saved, he, um, he went to hear this sister speak. She was 25 years old. And this is in the early part of the 20th century. She's speaking to over 1,000 people, so it was unheard of was for uh, a female to speak to that larger group in mainland China. And uh, he went to hear her, mainly out of curiosity, he went to hear her. Well, he went to hear her, and he got saved. He got saved, and he consecrated his whole life to the Lord. He was 19 at the time. She was 25. Later, she became one of his coworkers. Very interesting. But he, he kind of asked this question rhetorically. He said, first of all, he said this, I never heard a speaking that was that powerful and with that much impact. And he said, why did she have so much power? Why did she have so much impact? And then he said this, it was because she loved the Lord to the uttermost. She loved the Lord to the uttermost. When you love the Lord to the uttermost, fire will come out of you. Fire will come out of you to burn others. So, saints, let's give ourselves to love the Lord. Now, D says, The fire from the altar is the genuine, motivating power of service. The genuine, motivating power of service. One says, What God does concerning our service is to send His fire to burn within us. Two says, If we offer ourselves to God sincerely... Fire will descend from heaven and burn us. This burning will become the energy that moves us, and the issue of this burning will be our service, will be our service. You know, saints, we all have this experience. When the Lord is burning within us, uh, it's the motivating power of our service. No one has to tell us to preach the gospel. No one has to tell us to prophesy or, or take care of the young people. There's a fire burning within us. That's the genuine motivating power of our service. When I, when I, I'm going back to when I first got saved again. I didn't know what to do. I got saved in a laundromat. Can you believe that? While I was washing my clothes, I got washed in the blood. There was a tract in that laundromat. It had a prayer in it. I prayed that prayer in the laundromat, and I got regenerated. And uh, then I said, My goodness, what do I do now? I didn't know what to do as a Christian. So I thought to myself, well, I need to read the Bible. I know that, that much. So anyway, I started to read the Bible. And, oh, I was so touched within the first week. When I was reading the Bible, I was, I read the New Testament, you know. Uh, I started there instead of Leviticus. Uh, (laughs) I graduated to Leviticus. We all graduated to Leviticus. Okay, uh, but... uh, that fire was burning within me and it's the first time that I saw that I was a sinner, that I had sinned against the Lord and I needed forgiveness. And I went, in the, I went in the bathroom because I was weeping and confessing my sins to the Lord. And the more I confessed, the more I got filled with the Spirit. So eventually I turned the faucets on so my roommate wouldn't hear me. And so eventually I said, my goodness, the water bill is going to be off the charts here. So. I turned the water off, went outside, and consecrated my whole life to the Lord. Uh, And that was the issue of the fire burning within me. Well, I went to work after that, and I said to one of my colleagues, his name was Bill Waller, I still can remember him. I said, Bill, I met Jesus. He said, you met who? (laughs) You met who? I said, Jesus. I said, Jesus is a living, real person. And you can receive him and meet him just like I met him. He said, Ed, you you've uh, you're a little bit extreme here. You know, but he was the first person I led to the Lord. Eventually I led him to the Lord. Not long after that. Okay, now are we on E now, Ricky? Are we on E, brothers? Okay, good. The fire from the altar produces a powerful service. The altar of burnt offering is the cross of the Lord Jesus and the fire is the spirit. Two says the basis of genuine service is knowing the cross and placing ourselves on the cross in order to be gained by God and to allow the divine fire to burn within us. This produces service. F says, "Those who experience the fire from the altar, build with gold, silver, and precious stones." That's 1 Corinthians three twelve. We don't want to burn. We don't want to serve, and and build with wood, grass, and stubble. Wood signifies our natural man, our natural life, our natural energy. Uh, uh, grass signifies the flesh, and stubble signifies lifelessness. Life, there's no life in you. You see, so we want to serve with gold, silver, and precious stones. Gold signifies God the Father and his divine nature. Silver signifies God the Son and his redeeming work. And the precious stone signifies God the Spirit in his transforming work. This is what we want to build with. So when we experience the fire from the altar, we will build with gold, silver, and precious stones. One says, Such a work is full of the element of God, has the power of the cross, and expresses God, and expresses God. Two says, only the work that is produced through burning is of gold, silver, and precious stones. The work that is not produced through burning is of wood, grass, and stubble. Three says, the day will come when the work of each will be tested by fire. If our work is the issue of fire, our work will stand the test of fire. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? If our work is the issue of this fire, this divine fire burning within us, it will stand the test of the fire of judgment, of the fire of God's judgment. Now, Romans 3 says, we must serve God not with strange fire, but with the fire from the altar. A he says, according to the typology, strange fire is any fire other than that which burns on the altar. Now, let's read B all together. So as a result, they suffered death. But saints, if we serve with strange fire, we can suffer spiritual death. see, and we don't want that to happen to us, right? So we don't want to serve with strange fire. D says... I'm sorry, C says, strange fire signifies man's natural enthusiasm, natural affection, natural strength, and natural ability offered to God. So we want God to be our enthusiasm. We want God to be our affection. We want God to be our strength. And we want God to be our ability. We don't want to serve with anything natural. That is strange fire. D says, strange fire is fire of the self. It is fire that issues from the soulish life, the fleshly life, and the natural life. One says, strange fire means that the self-life interferes with the works of God. Two says, although the works are God's, the self-life wants to dictate the way that the works are carried out. Three says, offering up strange fire is employing the self's methods and wisdom and insisting on the self proposals in the service of God, so we don't want to offer up strange fire, right? We don't. Uh, there's not a choir in back of me because we're the choir, right? Uh, there's not. Uh, we don't have dramas in the church life, you know, dramas where where Ricky typifies Nadab, and uh, <laughs> we we don't we don't do that because. This, Paul and Barnabas and Silas, they didn't go and perform dramas to people, right? They just preached the pure gospel. Right. They just had prayer, the Spirit, and the Word yeah. as their three supporting substances. This is what we need to do. Okay, E says, Nathan and I were judged not because they did something that was not for God, but because they acted according to the natural life and did something for God in a natural way. F says, the offering of strange fire was a sin of presumption. Nadab and Abihu presumed to do something for God. So it's a sin of presumption. You know, you you can have two kinds of sin. One is a sin of rebellion, where you say, no, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Another sin is a sin of presumption, where you do what God has not told you to do. You do something for God, but he didn't tell you to do that. That's a sin of presumption. So Psalm 19.13 says, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I will be blameless and cleared of great transgression. Jesus, says, this is a strong warning showing us that in touching the divine things, we need to apply the cross to our natural life. Otherwise, we will suffer spiritual death. H says, God pays attention only to whether there is fire, not only, I'm sorry, not only to whether there is fire, but also to the source and nature of the fire. Our zeal must come from the altar. I says, everyone who is called of God must realize, this is like Moses, that he is a thorn bush with a fire burning within him and that this fire is God himself. So thorns signify the curse, but, God, but Christ's redemption took away the curse. So you could say all of us are thorn bushes with the fire of God burning within, it, burning within redeemed humanity. And God is the fuel for the burning. God is the fuel for the burning. We sh- Anything else other than God burning within us is natural gas. And natural gas, natural fuel does not work. In the church life and in the Lord's service, we need God as our fuel, God as our fire. One says we need to learn one lesson to work for God without using the natural life with its energy, strength, and ability as the fuel, but by letting God burn within us. Two says we need to be burning in spirit, serving the Lord as a slave with the fire of his life, not with strange fire which brings in spiritual death. Now, I'm really burdened for Roman numeral 4. I think I saved enough time for this. It says, The fire on the altar of the burnt offering should be kept burning continually. It must not go out, and it shall not go out. Those, are, those, those phrases are in the Scriptures. Leviticus six twelve and 13. It must not go out, and it shall not go out. So the first duty of the priest, when they woke up in the morning was to make sure that that fire did not go out, did not go out. Can you imagine? Uh, they didn't press the snooze button. You know what I mean? They they, they were on guard because they had to keep that fire burning. And so early in the morning they got up and they put wood on the fire. They put the burnt offering on the fire. They put the peace offering on the fire. And then the burning just rose, rose uh, as a sweet-smelling savor to Jehovah. You know, saints, if we take Christ as our burnt offering every day and consecrate ourselves to him, and we say, Lord, I take you as my absoluteness, I take you as the the one who's absolutely for God's satisfaction, and I offer myself to you, identified with you as a burnt offering. Not only that, Lord, I take you as my peace offering. I take you as my peace offering for my fellowship with you. You're my peace toward God. You're my peace toward man. And you give me peace continually in every way. When we do that, we will be burning in the morning. Now, Leviticus six, twelve, and 13 says, The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It must not go out. And the priest shall burn wood on it. It doesn't say every other morning. It says every morning. And he shall lay the burnt offering in order upon it and shall burn the fat of the peace offerings on it. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually. It shall not go out. So A says, day by day and on many occasions, we need to offer ourselves to in Christ to God as a continual burnt offering to be burned by him so that we may burn others. Eventually, we become a burnt offering because we're in Christ. And we take him as our burnt offering and we become a burnt offering. We become someone who, who's absolute for God, who's absolute for God, and who's absolutely for God's satisfaction. So in Numbers 28, 2 through 4, it talks about a continual burnt offering. And we should offer the burnt offering in the morning and at twilight, in the evening. Do we do this? Do we offer the burnt offering in the morning and do we offer consecrate ourselves in the evening? I think we have to confess that In the evening, we're short of the evening burnt offering, right? Maybe the morning burnt offering is more habitual. I hope so. Okay, now, Numbers 28, 26, and 27 says, You shall present a burnt offering for a satisfying fragrance to Jehovah. Eventually, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul said, We are a fragrance of Christ to God. So eventually, you become a fragrance of Christ to God. Isn't that wonderful? How do you describe fragrance? How do you describe a, the fragrance of a rose? It's indescribable, right? So we become a fragrance of Christ to God. That, that is just wonderful. And a fragrance to Jehovah. Amen. Now, B says, the Spirit causes our spirit to be burning and our gifts to be flaming. Hence, we should not quench Him. Don't quench Him. Uh you know, the devil, in this sense, is the fire department. The fire department is wonderful, of course. You know, we love the firemen, right? But we don't, li- we, don't like, <laughs> we don't like this kind of fire department that comes in and quenches the spirit within us, right? Do not quench the spirit. It says, do not grieve the spirit in one verse. It says, do not quench the spirit in 1 Corinthians five nineteen. Uh, so we should not quench the spirit within us. Now... These next, these next points are very practical and I hope these will be a help to us to maintain the fire within us for God's building. One says, we must allow the Lord to burn us and keep us burning continually by fanning our God-given spirit into flame. Amen. So always fan your God-given spirit into flame. Amen. Now, you may say, well, 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7 doesn't say we fan our spirit into flame. But if you read carefully, he says in verse 6, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit, a spirit. See, what God gave us was a spirit of power and of love and of sober-mindedness. That is our God-given spirit, our God-given spirit. And we have to fan that God-given spirit into flame. Now, of course, uh, you know, uh, in this sense, we could say our spirit is the fire. Because our spirit is mingled with the divine spirit. The divine spirit is a sevenfold intensified spirit. And our spirit is the fire. So we need to exercise our spirit to fan our spirit into flame. And the easiest way to exercise our spirit is to open our mouth, open our heart, open our spirit, and call on the name of the Lord. Amen. Don't graduate from calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Don't say, Well, I've been around a long time. I don't need to call on the name of the Lord anymore. That's for the young people. Don't do that. The first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning is say, Lord Jesus. It makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. When you, get, when you say, oh, no, versus, oh, Lord. Amen. Don't say, oh, no, when the alarm goes off. Say, oh, Lord. Amen. Start your day calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, 2 says we must enjoy God as the fire of love, to love him and others with his love. So 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says the love of Christ constrains us, that means presses us from presses on us from all sides. Uh, it, the love of Christ constrains us. We need to pray, Lord, constrain me with your love, Lord. I like to be constrained with your love. You know, we have a hymn in our hymnal. It says, o mighty lo- your mighty love, O God, constraineth me as some strong tide that presses on its way. And then there, there's this line that says, says Oh, tide of love, flow in. I like that. Oh, tide of love, flow in. We need to pray that. In Song of Songs 8, 6, and 7, uh, the seeker says, Set me as a seal on your heart. Set me as a seal on your arm. So we want to be set as a seal, as an indelible seal on his heart of love and as an indelible seal on his arm of strength and power. We become a part of his heart and a part of his arm. It says, for love is as strong as death, jealousy is as cruel as Sheol. Its flashes are the flashes of fire, a flame of Jehovah. Many waters cannot quench love, nor do floods drown it. You know, saints, I think uh, a lot of us in this room can testify. Many waters do not quench love. Right? We, we see one another. You know, sometimes we just look at ones who have been around for a while, and we get encouraged. My goodness, there's Ed Marks. He's still here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Why am I still here? Because many waters cannot quench love. Many waters cannot quench love. Okay, now 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, but of power and of love and of sober-mindedness, which means that our spirit is a spirit of love, spirit of love. You could say uh, the spirit of power and the spirit of sober-mindedness is like, you could, this is like a sandwich: the spirit of love, power, and sober-mindedness. Love, and I'm sorry, the spirit of power and of sober-mindedness is like the two, two, two pieces of bread. Spirit of love is the beef. So if you don't have the spirit of love, where's the beef? You know, you need you need to exercise your spirit. You cannot love the Lord and love one another without exercising your spirit. We have to exercise our spirit of love. It says, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice. This one brother, he was sharing in in, uh, Central America, and he came to this verse, God has not given us a spirit of cowardice, and the translator didn't know how to translate cowardice. So uh, he said, He finally said, God has not given us a chicken spirit. (laughs) And so the translator said, oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. So he translated that. But God has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sober-mindedness. Now, 3 says, we must have a time with the Lord every morning to have a new beginning and be revived by him. Saints, we can have 365 new beginnings a year. Amen. If, you, if you're having a bad day, just go to sleep, wake up, have a new beginning. Amen. We can have a new beginning every day, every day. Now, Proverbs 4.18, I love this verse. It says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. So our path should be, should be fresh, like the light of dawn. And our path should shine brighter and brighter until the full day when we meet the Lord. You know, that means that our path doesn't grow dimmer and dimmer. You know, you know the enemy, when he comes to attack us, he doesn't just turn out the lights all at once. He dims the light. You know, with a dim, you know, a light dimmer, he just dims the light a little bit, then a little bit more, then a little bit more. Pretty soon, it's, it's, it's not very bright in your being. And you think it's bright. But the, but the light in you has been dimmed. And why did it get dimmed? Is because of this matter of having a time with the Lord every morning to have a new beginning and be revived by Him. But we need this every morning. In, in Lamentations... Uh, Jeremiah says, his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. This means Jeremiah contacted the Lord as the compassionate one every morning. Now, four says, oh, no, let's go to Psalm 119, 147, 148. This says, I anticipated the dawn and cried out. Do you anticipate the dawn? You say, oh, wow, I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. tomorrow. I'm anticipating it. Why did he anticipate it? He said, "I hoped in your words, my eyes anticipated the night watches that I might muse upon your word. We were sharing this. we We brought out this verse. Benson and I went somewhere, and these two verses were on the outline. and uh, and one of the brothers stood up and gave a testimony. He said, "You know, the other day, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was about three in the morning. And he said to himself, he said, oh, in three hours, I get to spend time with the Lord. You know, Vincent and I were there. own Lord Jesus. You know, we got convicted. We got convicted. Anyway, uh, we should treasure, saints, treasure your time with the Lord in the morning. It's a big, big thing to spend personal time with the Lord in the, at the dawn, in the morning. 4 says, we must call upon the Lord, stirring ourselves up to lay hold of him, to lay hold of him. So he's rich to all who call upon him. In 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, flee youthful lusts and pursue Christ as righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. It's good to be with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And Isaiah 64.7 is a unique verse. It says, there is no one who calls upon your name who stirs himself up to lay hold of you. So we need to stir ourselves up by calling on the Lord's name. Amen. Now, 5 says, we must pray, read God's word, striking the spirit of the scripture with our spirit to catch the divine fire. Amen. So the spirit is the substance, you could say, is the substance of, of, of the scripture, just like phosphorus is the substance of matches. So, we need to strike the spirit of the scriptures with our spirit to catch the divine fire. Now, 6 says, We must be filled with the sevenfold intensified spirit as the seven lamps of fire and the seven flaming eyes of Christ by opening ourselves to the Lord unreservedly in order to be enlightened by him, burned by him, And infuse with him. So again, these seven lamps of fire, they expose us. They enlighten us. They convict us. It supplies us, the sevenfold intensified spirit. And it, it has a killing function. Wherever light shines, life is there. Life is there to be imparted into you. Wherever light shines, killing is there to kill all the negative things in your being. Now seven says we must always rejoice, pray unceasingly, and give thanks in everything. Yeah. Maybe you can't give thanks in everything, you say, Oh, I can't do that, but give thanks for what you can give thanks for. Right? Start there. Thank the Lord. I remember when when I was an unbeliever, I was very unthankful. People would say it's a nice day. I would say it could be better. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. And the bird would be singing, and I'd say, be quiet. You know, I was just unthankful. When I got saved, I became a thankful person. I remember thanking the Lord for the pigeons in the park. Anyway, thanking the Lord for my boss. No one liked my boss. We need to give thanks in everything. I went with a coworker to Central America, and the airline lost our luggage. And all we had was the clothes on our back, you know. And I was there, oh, Lord, I was really kind of distraught. And the brother said to me, my coworker, he said, he goes, Ed, remember, give thanks in everything. (laughs) Remember, give thanks. I said, you're right, brother. You're right. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you know where our luggage is, Lord. (laughs) Eventually, I bought this shirt. In Central America, it's hard to buy me a shirt. You know, you have to go. They don't have tall men's stores everywhere, you know. So uh, I bought this shirt that fit me. And when I brought it home and Ruth washed it, it shrunk down like this. (laughs) Shrunk down. I couldn't wear it again. But saints, give thanks in everything. Always rejoice. It's a command. Unceasingly pray. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, 8 says, we must speak for the Lord to impart him into others, enjoying him as our burning power for purging and motivating in God's economical move. We we shared this. You know, in Acts 6-4, the apostles said, we will continue steadfastly in prayer and in the ministry of the word. We need prayer. Before we prophesy, we should always have a lot of prayer before we come to the Lord's Day morning meeting. Prophesying needs prayer to strengthen the ministry of the Word and empower the ministry of the Word. Now, 9 says, We must coordinate with one another in and among the churches to enjoy God as our sanctifying fire for His one move. For His one move. Saints, when we coordinate together, we enjoy the divine fire. Now, you can see this in Ezekiel 1.13. It says, It's for the likeness of the living creatures. The living creatures here signify the coordinated body of Christ. It says, It's for the likeness of the living creatures. Their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches. The f- Listen to this. The fire went to and fro among the living creatures, and the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning went forth lightning so when you when you're serving with a group of brothers or a group of sisters there should be a fire going to and fro among you see isn't that that, that happens when we serve properly the fire of God's life goes to and fro among us and when i sit down and it's time for you to share the fire will go to and fro right Amen. then there's lightning lightning Sometimes you, you're fellowshipping together and there's a special flashing of the divine light. That's lightning, uh, which comes in times of storms and darkness. Lightning comes out of our time of fellowship with one another. Okay, Zechariah 2.5, uh, the Lord says this concerning Jerusalem. He says, I will be her, her wall of fire round about. And I will be the glory within her. Isn't that wonderful? Saints, we should pray this Lord, be a wall of fire around me and be the glory within me. In this meeting, be a wall of fire around this meeting and be the glory within this meeting. Then finally, we come to 10. The burning of the sevenfold intensified spirit as the seven lamps of fire motivates us to rise up and take action for the carrying out of God's economy. It says in this verse, the people who know their God will show strength and take action. Actually, that's the book of Acts. They took action, right? They they became one with the acting God, and they took action. The Amplified Bible says the people who know their God will show strength and do exploits for God. Do exploits for God. Or, Or I like take action. Take action. That matches the book of Acts. Okay, now this is the basis of all our priestly service, the fire from the altar, a burnt offering. Now how about we pray with our neighbor for a minute or so, and then we can have some testimonies.